Hoy hoy, it's your boy boy, and welcome to episode 26 of the podcast. This is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you find good podcasts. And folks, this is it, man. This is it. If you haven't done anything to help grow the podcast, it's time to step up. Because um, the podcast, you know, as far as I'm concerned, has been doing well. You know, we have a uh, we have a handful of regular listeners. We got people who um, every time a new episode comes out, we got over a hundred people who are downloading on a regular basis. We got a few hundred listens across the podcast, um, across all the episodes every week. So that's pretty good. You know, I'm happy with that. Uh, but uh, you know, we just passed episode twenty five, and. Um, um, you know, I said our first projected goal for this podcast is 100 episodes. So we're a quarter of the way there. We've done a lot of good work so far. We got uh, a good uh, small pocket of people who are listening, which is enough for me. And if the podcast never grow, never grew past this point, I would still do it. But, um, you know, we, we've gotten our feet wet, we got our toes in, and uh, we have 25 episodes. That's a fair amount. But uh, I'd, like to, I'd like for us to grow. I'd like for us to be... Uh, doing substantially better by the end of 100 episodes. So I I think I stopped saying this a while ago, but I'm going to start saying it again, which is I need your help to grow the podcast. And if you know anyone in your life who's like-minded, um, you're a fan of the show. I'm sure you have one or two people in your life uh, who you know would probably like the show also. I want you to recommend it to them. Uh, I don't want you to Facebook blast everybody that you're connected to and recommend it. I mean, you can do that. But I think it would be more powerful to think of one or two people in your life uh, who you know who you think would like it and just send them a link. Link them to your favorite episode and tell them to check it out. So let's do that. And uh, if you want to connect with the podcast, you can at This Is M Pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's at This Is M Pod. And also, the, the, uh, the podcast has its own YouTube channel now. Uh, I, formerly, I was sort of putting up the episodes and the episode clips on my. Uh, music YouTube channel, and I think I was just bothering people there. So I transferred everything over to a new YouTube channel. You know, most of the videos are sitting at zero views, which is not uh, a comfortable comfortable place to be, but they're up there. So uh, search for This Is M podcast or whatever on YouTube. Um, we don't have a personalized uh, URL yet, but that's fine. You'll be able to find it. Uh, so yeah, do that. And, um, you know, when this thing becomes a video podcast, which I don't know if we're going to do that after 50 episodes. I don't know if we're going to do that after 100 episodes. But um, at some point, this will be a video podcast. So uh, you can look forward to that. But connect with the with the podcast's YouTube channel. Uh, anything else to get to? Uh, yeah, if you want to, you can still stream the playlist of all my original music from 2019 called Gentleman Caller. Just look up... Uh, Sorry, I'm distracted by something here. Just look up M, the heir apparent on Spotify. That's the letter M, the H-E-I-R apparent on Spotify, and stream the featured playlist on my profile called Gentleman Caller. That is all my original music from 2019. Wow. So I've been telling my girlfriend to stop talking about it because it annoys me, but I'm going to probably spend five minutes talking about the coronavirus and then I fucking promise we'll move on to something else. But, um, you know, you know, your boy's going to school. Uh, I showed up to school yesterday and it was, 
we just switched the clocks back from daylight savings time or whatever the clocks the clocks jumped forward is that what it is spring forward fall back yeah so the clocks just jumped forward and i woke up at like 6:30 to be in class at 8 and it was like dark and it felt strange and then i i took the bart um uh train to school and it was like it just felt different and then i showed up to school and i felt like nobody was there and as i'm sitting in the hallway just like waiting for class and nobody showing up and listening to music all of a sudden a teacher goes hey are you here for class and i was like yeah and he goes i just found out that all the classes have been canceled so i mean i was just i have someone that i work with who's like an investigator for um uc for the uc for cal and um she was saying that all in-person classes had been canceled for UC Berkeley. And I was surprised to hear that because the community college I was going to was still operating. So, um, yeah. So yeah, lo and behold, I show up the next day and all in-person classes have been canceled for this week. They've taken spring break and shifted it a month forward. So apparently I had the next two weeks off of classes, ostensibly. So, yeah, dude, shit's getting real. And then, dude, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. So, I was I was literally, you know, hours before I heard that, I was thinking, mm, I wonder who the first celebrity is who's going to get coronavirus. And lo and behold, within a couple hours, the news was announcing that Tom Hanks had it. So, man, crazy times. You know, especially as a musician. Like, all my musician friends are, like, canceling gigs. Or organizations are canceling gigs. My girlfriend, just tons of conferences are being canceled. You know, I'm reading articles about airlines who are flying ghost flights that are just empty to keep their time slots. And they're projecting like $103 billion in losses for the airline industry. Meanwhile, people are stockpiling toilet paper. What a, it's just such a weird time we're living in, you know? It's this, I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm not a doom and gloom person. You know, I, I generally, I generally don't catastrophize, but I don't, I can't think of anyone else who's lived through anything like this before. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. It can certainly feel like that at times, but I, I don't think anything like, I mean, sort of like the black plague, but in modern times, I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to wipe out. It's not going to wipe everyone out, but it's, I don't know, this kind of mass hysteria, mass hysteria, mass fear, um, yeah, I don't know what to say about it, but it's literally at work, it's all anyone talks about, when I go through my life, every conversation I overhear is someone talking about it, you know, me and my girlfriend talk about it for hours every time we see each other, and it's just like, I'm just so sick of it, you know, and not because it's a minor issue, it's a big issue, but it's just, I don't know, I want to think about something else, so, yeah, I spent most of the day yesterday practicing my drums, and, uh, God, I swear if you saw me doing it, you'd think I was nuts, you know, I don't even have a drum set, but I've been playing, like, hours of jazz drums a day, I got this book, The Art of Bop Drumming by John Riley that I've been working through, and I have, like, a single practice pad that I tilt, like, a ride cymbal, and I use that, and I basically just use my knee as a snare drum, and I move my right and left foot as if I have a kick drum and a hi-hat, which I don't, but uh, yeah, I'm moving through that book so quickly. It's so much fun. I mean, it's weird to see yourself doing things that you thought you'd be doing at the end of a year and you're doing it, you know, within a month or two. So um, it's been challenging, but rewarding. But uh, so I, I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, now that I don't have class, I mean, there's some outstanding homework assignments I can do, but 
I mean, I just have no idea what the rest of the semester is going to look like. So, and, uh, and my work too. I mean, you know, my, it's, it, it's conceivable that, you know, the operations at work could change also. So strange times, man. And, it's, and my musician friends who make a living performing, I mean, nobody's like, nobody has gigs anymore, you know? So this move to, I don't know, mass isolation, you know? Um, I mean, the day before when I was at work and they were talking about it, and this woman who I work with, who's an investigator at UC Berkeley, was saying that all the classes have been canceled. I said, you know, I really don't know what I'm talking about, but it seems like the reaction has been catastrophic when the consequences so far, at least in the United States, haven't been catastrophic. And I guess it really hadn't sunk in that how preventative this is. You know, if you look at countries like Italy, I guess they're just, you know, they just, the, the, the hospitals just don't have the infrastructure to support that kind of influx of of patient need you know what i'm saying and so urging people to cancel things and just isolate until this what blows over i mean i don't i don't know what the uh i don't know what the end game looks like but um yeah crazy times crazy crazy times and now uh bernie sanders is almost i mean it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to drop out of the race soon so i don't know Something about the the state of the world and just sort of looking around and feeling like there's nothing going on that I want. Do you know what I mean? It feels like being, uh, I don't know. There's just something about the state of the world that's just endlessly disappointing. Do you know? the It's almost like nothing's going your way, you know? And I, I feel totally spoiled saying that because in a lot of ways, I mean, when it comes to coronavirus, my life has not been affected, honestly. Um, but it, there's this thing about the turn of whatever political slash economic slash zeitgeist or time period we're, we're living in. It just feels like nothing's going my way or, or the way that I would like to see it going, you know? And I don't know, maybe that's, this will be like the great humbling of the United States. Do you know what I mean? Where we're used to just sort of like walking around doing whatever the hell we wanted and now we're not. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's just very strange. It's weird to be living in a time... Like I was saying, I was joking with my girlfriend, but I was saying, oh, I can't wait for the uh, coronavirus of the movie to come out. Like, of course, if you go to Netflix now... Well, first of all, all the streaming services better just fucking stockpile their servers because people are going to be streaming a lot of internet content over the next... Uh, at least a couple of weeks, ne- probably the next few months, maybe even year. But uh, Netflix is such an opportunist. Do you know what I mean? Like on the front page of uh, their movies, they have Outbreak, the fucking Dustin Hoffman movie that probably came out like at the end of the 90s or whatever. Um, that was like, and this, the, you know, I remember when Ebola was a thing. Do you know what I'm saying? And they thought that like half the people on the planet were going to die because of Ebola virus. Um, but then the book Outbreak came out, they made a movie of it with Dustin Hoffman, which I don't even remember if it was a good movie. I did, I did, I did read the book, but I don't even remember if it was a good movie, but of course that's on the front page of Netflix. So, oh yeah, yeah. you you know, they're going to make a fucking coronavirus movie. So, um, yeah, we'll see who stars in that. But, uh, yeah, I feel myself like trying to reach for another topic to talk about because I'm so sick of hearing about it and I have nothing new to add to the conversation except, you know, everyone on Facebook is freaking the fuck out. 
you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know, sad, weird times that we're living in. But how bad is it really? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like we're living in Germany at the rise of the Third Reich. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know people talk about, you know, President Trump as if he's like a, a new, new, new Hitler or something like that. And I'm, I'm not saying he's not awful. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure I probably just feel like a lot of other people, which is I just feel helpless. That's kind of the hardest part about all this. Is not, One, I don't know any better than anybody else. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I think because I'm a contrarian, usually I try not to catastrophize. You know, well, I see, well, first of all, I see everyone else freaking out. And so I want to do the exact opposite. You know, but then I also, I'm also hyper aware of, you know, is my wanting to be, how do I say this? My wanting to be calm or not freaking out about it is my own sort of coping mechanism. Do you know what I'm saying? Like how I want to feel about the situation has absolutely no effect on what actually could be taking place. You know, so I see everyone else freaking out and so I'm like, oh, I'll just stay calm. But then I also think, well, what if this is like the real motherfucking deal? Do you know what I'm saying? And what if my wanting to not make a big deal out of it is just my own coping strategy that could actually not serve me very well? (sighs) But otherwise, I don't really know what else to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like everybody else. I've been washing my hands more often. I've been, you know, whether or not I can stop completely, I've been trying to touch my face less. Um, I think for someone like me who enjoys isolating, this might be a fucking windfall. Like, this might be the excuse I need to fucking not, not do stuff. <clears throat> you know, for a guy who likes to spend a lot of time alone, this could be just the fucking thing I needed, do you know? <sighs> I don't know. I hope it's not... Um, I don't think it's misguided optimism, though, to feel like, you know, there's probably going to be some big consequences from this, but... um. In the end, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'll, I'll be okay. And uh, I hope that's not just wishful thinking. But um, You know, it's weird. At a time like this, it feels so important in history or um, cultural events or something. As someone who like sticks a microphone in their face and has, or at least on some level feels like they might have something worth saying in general that other people might want to hear. When something like this comes along, I really feel like I want to have something important to say, or I want to have something to contribute to the conversation. And I, I I don't know, I kind of feel deficient that I don't, you know, all I can, I feel like the best I can say is I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do about it. I don't feel like I'm freaking out. But now that my own quality of life or my own rhythm of life or, pattern of living or whatever you want to call it as being affected. I'm only just recently starting to feel the, I don't even want to say the magnitude, but the, I don't know. I'm just starting to feel a little powerless. Do you know what I mean? I'm starting to feel the effects of it and I go, oh, this is something I don't really have control over. You know, and that's a weird thing. And the other thing I pointed out, like me and my girlfriend were talking about this and I was saying, you know, I had someone I was working with the other day and we all work in close proximity where I work together. And, 
you know, I never make anyone feel bad about it, but it's like every time someone coughs or sneezes around me, I never say anything, but of course we're all thinking the same thing. You know, like this poor girl that I was sitting next to, she started coughing. She's like, oh, it's okay. I, I, I assure you I'm not sick. And I was like, it's okay. I'm like, don't, I'm not worried about it. I mean, of course I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe this person has fucking coronavirus. I didn't do anything to make them feel bad about it. I didn't fucking tell them to go home or whatever. But it is that kind of thing, you know? It not only not only do we have to isolate physically, but there's something about this where, you know, you almost start to feel suspicious of everybody else around you and wondering, is everyone doing their part? And on the one hand, I, you know, I, I feel somewhat in control of my own actions, you know? Like, I know what I can do, and I, can, I know if I can wash my hands. But the, the thing is, I think it makes us not trust each other because as much as we're in control over what we do, we have no control over what the other person does. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's where we're going to catch it from. You know, we can do what we can do to protect ourselves, but if nobody else around us is doing their part, then we're kind of screwed. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's just that sort of, I don't know. I feel at a time where we're already pretty divided politically. Now it feels like there's something that doesn't just separate you from people who have a different political view than you. It's people who are, it's from everybody. Do you know, I mean, the coronavirus doesn't care what your political per- preference is. You know, this has the potential to drive a wedge between you and every other, every other biological human. Do you know what I mean? Um, to fear the other. And whereas we're already living in a tribal time where the other is just anybody who believes differently than you or, or, or uh, looks different than you. But now this is everybody. You know, I mean we're sort of joking about it, but I think in, in some ways we're actually kind of like probing the idea seriously, which is, you know, I'm joking with my girlfriend about, Oh, if you get coronavirus, I guess I won't see you for like a month. But think about that. I mean, I mean, we don't live together, you know, it's not like we have a house together, but if my girlfriend got sick, would I, I, would she have to quarantine herself and isolate and be alone? If I got sick, would I have to isolate and be alone? And would would she not be able to see me? Would I let her see me? <sighs> and then who is this really going to affect? Like, I mean, humans are so stupid, but it's like now that Tom Hanks is the coronavirus, I think that, you know, I mean, I was probably thinking about, oh, I wonder who the first celebrity is who's going to get sick because we have this idea of celebrity where we think, oh, if that person gets sick, well, then I guess I could get sick too. You know, we put celebrities up on this pedestal as if they're this sort of privileged or protected population of people. That was a lot of peas. But as if they're this privileged, protected population of people. But, you know, you see Tom Hanks get sick and you're like, oh shit, if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. But uh, who's going to die? Do you know, I mean, I know that we had... I don't know. I was looking up online. I think at the time of this recording, there were probably only like 1,300 confirmed cases of coronavirus in the United States. Now, of course, there's way more than that. There's people who have coronavirus and don't even don't even know it. Um, so expect that to be multiplied who knows how many times. But um, And people have died, but usually older people who already have, a, you know, they're calling it compromised um, uh, why can't I think of the word? But you know what I mean. They're, they have sort of compromised systems to begin with. <clears throat> but um, we're going to lose known people to this probably. 
Like I was, I was joking, but it's like, is Anthony Hopkins going to be the first person who dies of coronavirus? You know, are we going to lose Ian McKellen or is it going to be someone young? You know, is it going to be someone unexpected? Is it going to be someone in our own family? And I also think when, when big world events like this are happening, you know, you know, there's elderly people who are dying anyway, but if you were to die at a time like this, how would you feel about the state of the world? that you were leaving behind? Like, would you be happy to get the fuck out? Would you see the rise of Donald Trump and global warming and coronavirus and go, Jesus Christ, I dodged this bullet, you know? Or would you feel sad? Like my neighbor, and maybe I've mentioned this before, it's, I don't even really know if it's my business to be talking about this, but um, I have a young couple, a newlywed couple who um, live on the same property as me. And um, her father is... um, appears to be dying and has been for a few months now, but you know, it seems like things have taken a turn for the worse. So they're actually flying out of town to, to be with him at this time. And you know, he'll likely die, um, which is tragic. And you think, you know, if on your deathbed, this is the state of the world, how are you going to feel? I mean, I'm sure on the one hand, there is a sort of a dodge, dodge this bullet mentality, but you also think, I don't know. In a way, you're kind of missing it. I I don't know. Not that you necessarily want to stick around to see what happens, but is there also this sense like, oh, wow, things happen without me. Like major, major world events happen without me. And not just today, but in the future. There are still huge things happening that are much larger than me that continue even after I'm gone. Do you know what I mean? And I know that there have been huge events in history that we sort of think about in the past, but we also think, what am I going to miss? I mean, I feel like in the past, <laughs> wow, I'm only kind of thinking this for the first time, so I don't know if I'll, I'll stick with this, but like in the past, I feel like a lot of times when we talked about the future, it was all the good things that were going to happen. Oh, I'm going to miss the first black president, or I'm going to miss the cure for cancer, or when we land on Mars. I feel like lately, all anyone's ever talked about in the future is the bad things that are going to happen. You know, the ice caps melting, or in global warming, or now coronavirus, you know? And I'm not saying, I mean, on the one hand, I feel like every generation who's ever lived feels like they're living in the end times. Do you know what I mean? But... Right now, I think our thinking about the future is very finite. You know, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that most people feel pretty powerless and most people feel I don't know, maybe it sounds like I'm jumping shit, but my girlfriend was talking about how you know, this event really shows the last of sort of systemic support or a lot of infrastructure that we should have had and don't have and you know, the failure of the hospitals and the failure of the schools. I mean, schools close and it's fine because I'm a local person. I can stay home. But when you have institutions like Harvard, apparently, and I'm just hearing this by hearsay, I don't, I didn't read anything about this, but someone was saying that Harvard basically said, okay, we're closing the school. And that really put international students at a disadvantage because where the, where are they going to go? You know, a lot of them can't go home. Um, or when you have an elementary school that says, all right, school is closing, 
that puts a huge burden on parents and families who have to work. Well, how are they going to, if their kids just have to stay home, who's going to watch them, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, my girlfriend was talking about it with this implication that the schools were failing because they were making this decree and not really having the infrastructure or a plan in place to sort of support people. And I totally get that. And I'm not saying that these there couldn't have been a plan in place, or maybe we should have foreseen these events in or maybe in some hypothetical alternate reality, there is a solution to the problem. And if we had thought about it hard enough or had planned enough that we would be able to do something. But my, my only counter argument was, you know, we live in a crazy, <laughs> I mean, I mean, on a macro, is that the right word? Macro? Yeah. On a, on a macro level, we just live on a rock that's hurtling through space. You know, it's amazing that we're not hit, hit by asteroids all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, earthquakes happen all the time and there is a big part of our lives where we're just fucking powerless. Do you know what I mean? Like I was saying, you know, this idea that you're going to walk around with a face mask, a face mask and a fucking bucket of Purell, and that's going to save you. Those are just totems of safety. Do you know what I mean? There's so much happening right now that's outside of your control. And, you know, if a pandemic sweeps across the world and kills a bunch of people or disrupts the infrastructure, I don't know how much you can plan for that. Do you know what I mean? Like I was talking about when I was in my uh, counseling appointment, there was that binder of all the uh, safety plans for the for in, for a live fire or shooting incident or um, chemical uh, something or earthquake or fire. or There are all these plans for w- what we can do when X, Y, or Z happens. And that's great. Those are great things to think about. I wish we had a reference manual that could tell us exactly what to do in every conceivable situation. But maybe there's things you can't plan for. Like maybe there are things that until they happen, you just don't know what, what, what can be done. Or maybe some things happen and there's nothing you can do about it. Lives are going to be affected, obviously. But it's like, you know, I, 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 and I, it, it doesn't mean that it's not sad. So let's make that abundantly clear. Of course, it's sad. But people will die. People's lives are going to be affected. Tragically. I mean, I look at my musician friends who make a living performing. If every venue is closing and not like having performances, they can't make money. That's, that's tragic. Some of them are the primary breadwinners of their family. That's awful. But what, can, what else can be done? Do you know what I mean? Could you have planned for this? I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to make everybody responsible, I mean, maybe you could say, oh, well, they should have had another source of income in, 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 the, in, the, in the event that something like this happened. But it's like, who lives that way? Do you know? And, and you know, uh, the point I'm trying to make is what infrastructure or what system lives that way? You know, if, and what family lives that way? I mean, should every family have lived with a plan? Well, let's say the school closes or explodes and our kid has to stay home for X amount of time. Should we just have a plan? I mean, I don't know. I mean, all the time living in the Bay Area, we talk about this, right? If there's an earthquake, what are you going to do? Most people don't have a plan. I was uh, about like, like, I don't even know how many years ago, but there was a major earthquake out here in the Bay Area. Not like 
the big one scale, but there was a pretty heavy earthquake. And it was like three in the morning. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't sleeping, you know, and I was up in the middle of the night and I, uh, or I think I had like woken up at like two and kind of piddled around for an hour. And I realized, okay, I'm not going to sleep. So I ended up watching Godzilla, I think on like HBO streaming or whatever. They had like the, one of the new Godzilla movies out or something like that. And I'm watching Godzilla and at like three or four in the morning, as on screen, Godzilla is fighting fucking Mothra or some shit, and they're demolishing the Golden Gate Bridge, which is like, uh, you know, I, I can almost see it from where I'm fucking, where I live. There's an earthquake. And it was such a fucking creepy instance of like, you know, uh, synchronicity or whatever. Now, of course, I didn't really freak out, but in in one moment, I was like, what the fuck's going on? But it really made me think like, oh, if something catastrophic or terrible happens, what am I going to do? You know, if I got word right now that a tsunami was, uh, uh, you know, quickly approaching the Bay Area, what what could I what could I do conceivably? Get in my truck and just start driving for the hills like everybody else. Get out of town as fast as possible. Well, how far could you really get? Or if there's a nuclear bomb or some terrorist attack on the Bay Area, which is likely, or something like coronavirus. When coronavirus touches down in the United States. You know, where is it going to, where is it going to be on the Pacific coast or the East coast? Most likely, right? And lo and behold, New York, San Francisco, or even, I mean the Pacific Northwest, but do you know what I mean? That's where it touches down at. And what am I going to do? I'm dude, I'm in the fucking hot zone. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, what am I going, where am I going with all this? I, I guess I'm just saying, you know, what can really be done? What can any one person do to prepare themselves? Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my own saying, well, ah, what can you do? Maybe that's my own sort of um, uh, self-preservation thing as well. In the same way that I say, oh, I'm not going to freak out. Maybe that's my own, you know, I'm sort of making fun of people who walk around with a face mask and want to fucking have a Silkwood shower in Purell every day. But, you know, maybe my own minimalizing or or minimizing, I think is what I meant to say, but diminishing, you know, I don't know the possibility of what can be done as my own sort of self-preservation or self-soothing thing. I don't know. It's complicated. I don't pretend to understand it. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in this fog of, um, I guess we'll just have to see. I think it's the not knowing that's the hard part. You know, it's the sitting in the not knowing what the future is going to look like. And well, I mean, a few things, not just not knowing what the future is going to look like, but what can be done about it. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of waiting too. like, I think there's a part of me that feels, I just feel like a sitting duck. Do you know, like I'm just waiting to be shot or something like that. Like I'm just waiting to be struck down. But I think, you know, when I talk about people saying, oh, there should have been a plan, there should have been a... I don't know, our systems are failing us or something like that. I don't know. Maybe, again, maybe this is just my sort of contrarianism speaking, but I don't know. I don't know. I think we sort of look to the system or the government or whoever. We sort of parentalize them. Like, we want them to take care of us. We want them to save us. We look look to them for the answers, but I don't know. Maybe there are just some things that are beyond anyone's capacity, and you just sort of learn. Like, maybe... You know, and I don't know, I, honestly, I was about to say, I was about to say the levees breaking in New Orleans, but I think, 
I think the the lesson from that was that the system fucking failed people and people died as a consequence of it. But w- what I was really trying to say is sometimes something happens and you you have to learn from that. Do you know? Like this is the first wave and maybe next time for the next coronavirus we'll be more prepared. But for now, we're just sort of figuring it out and it's fucked up and it's sad and it, and you feel helpless and it's tragic. People are going to be affected by it. And um you know, I'm saying that, you know, it's easy for me to say today because relative, my life has been relatively unaffected by it so far, but, but let's see, you know, maybe when, uh, when I catch coronavirus and I'm in the hospital or facing my own mortality because of it, or someone I, you know, God forbid somebody I know dies because of it. I mean, I have elderly parents, you know, um, so who knows? Maybe I'll be whistling a different tune when my life is more uh, deeply affected by it. But for now, I'm just sort of stewing with everybody else in the in the not knowing. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, I feel like all this is sort of hitting me at a weird time, too. I mean, I was... Um, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of weird. I... You know, I just had my round, my first round of exams for school, and I did very, very well. But in the last two weeks, and my my takeaway from those exams should have been that I'm doing well. But for some reason, in the last two weeks, my lectures in chemistry and math have felt like a foreign fucking language. Do you know what I mean? And I felt very overwhelmed. And I, I would sit through most lectures, taking notes as well as I could, and kind of trying trying to trust the process where I say, oh, I don't understand this now, but I'll chip away at it, and I will understand it. But it's been kind of stressful, you know? And I went into therapy on Tuesday and I was just saying, yeah, I've been kind of irritable, you know? And I had one of those mornings on Tuesday where it's like, everything felt like a hassle. You know what I mean? Like I had to do, I had to do laundry. I had to go to therapy. Eventually I had to go to work. And it was just like, everything was just a big fucking bummer, you know? And I just, I feel like I'm in this place in my life in general. And this, we should talk about this more another time. Um, probably when I talk to my girlfriend about it more, because I, I don't want to, you know, explore these things on the podcast before talking to her. But um, I was saying that my girlfriend's mother was in town the other weekend. And uh, we ended up driving her down. The last time we saw her, we ended up driving her down to San Jose, which is like an hour from where I live. And on the drive back, my girlfriend sort of turned to me and said, so I've been thinking we need to be thinking about moving in with each other. And I was like, "Ugh!" so she had me trapped in the car for an hour to talk about this. But um you know, it was like a lot of these types of conversations when you have them for the first time, which is it's uncomfortable because you're kind of, I mean, I don't know, you're kind of being forced to have this sort of kind of vulnerable conversation and you're trapped in the car. But, um, so it looks like we will be doing that, but, um, I feel weird saying this, but when I look at my life and I think a lot of guys feel this way, but a lot of times in relationships, the girl has to pull the trigger on a lot of things. Do you know what I'm saying? And I know a lot of people don't like to think this way or they want to say this shit's not true or, or they're, these are, well, maybe they are gross generalizations, but I think it's observably true that for the most part, guys tend to be more independent, are kind of fine with things the way they are. And it's not that there aren't many dudes who want to be dads or want to be husbands or want to have a family because there are many of them and I know many of them. But I also think guys tend to be creatures of habit and they place a lot of value on, 
I think for a lot of guys, family or marriage, those things happen after they feel established in their lives. And I, it's not that guys don't want to be dads, but I think most of them want to be, want to feel secure in their career. They want to feel, um, kind of like they've, they, I don't know, they've crossed some things off the list. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like a guy is more apprehensive about, quote, settling down until they've done a few things. Because what they don't want to do is feel locked into something and then the door on those opportunities is closed. And uh, I've had my so my oats period. I've had that sort of stuff. So for me, it's nothing like that. But for a 34-year-old dude who's like going back to school and is, um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, a failed creative career, um, who kind of knows the general direction of what they want to do, but doesn't really have a plan for what their career is going to look like. The idea of moving in with someone and, you know, I mean, I mean, dude, we're 34. Do you know what I mean? Like we got to have kids soon. If we're going to have kids, it's like those things have to happen pretty quickly. And right now I don't feel like I have a lot of answers for what's going to make that possible. Do you know what I mean? So when I say that I don't want those things, it's not that I categorically don't want them, but right now it doesn't really feel like a safe bet. You know, those aren't really decisions I can commit to with a whole lot of confidence. And I love my girlfriend. I, I, she is the person I would marry. She is the person I would have kids with. But I think for guys, like I said, I think before we can really sign on the dotted line on those things, I think we want to feel more secure in our lives and, and our ability as a provider and all those sorts of things. So, um, when I say that I don't want to move into my girlfriend, it's not that I don't want to move into my girlfriend. I, it's more like I feel like I'm not allowed to move in with my girlfriend. Do you know what I'm saying? And the only reason I'm sort of uh, even addressing that at all is this idea of wanting something. I don't want that. And I guess I look at other people in my life. Um, I mean, the example I was really drawing on was her sister, my girlfriend's sister and her husband. Their, I mean, her husband, her, how do I wear this? Her sister's husband is a dad. Like they're about to have their second kid. Like they are locked in as a family unit and they're all in on the family. Do you know what I mean? And I feel so far away from that, you know, but the differences are clear. Like this dude is in his career, you know, he's like a lawyer or something like that. But, um, but I feel, I just feel so far away from that. Do you know what I mean? And that if that was my life today, I would feel, I, I, I worry that I would feel very resentful because I would feel like it was taking me away from so many other things that I, I genuinely want to do. Like, I'm not saying that this is um, admirable, but when I'm just practicing drums, like the time kind of disappears for me. Do you know what I mean? Like when I'm doing that, I feel like I should be doing that. Do you know? Um, I, I feel like that's what I'm, quote, supposed to be doing with my life on some level. And I'm not saying that I can make a career out of it. I'm not saying I want to be a professional drummer. That's not what I'm saying at all. All I'm saying is that's what I do and I feel completely comfortable. Do you know what I mean? And in, in, in a way, it just sort of links up, do you know? And I guess in my life, I've always, I guess I've always thought that when it's time to have children or when it's time to get married or when it's time to move in with your girlfriend, you'll, you will want to do those things. You know, it quote feels right. And we watch a lot of shitty movies about what marriage and romance is and all that sort of bullshit. And it's like, 
there's all these scenes or like, I, I can't think of a specific movie, but you can probably imagine a similar type of scene where someone goes, well, ma, I don't know. Uh, Betsy wants to get married, you know? And you go, well, do you want to marry her? And he's like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, if you have to ask, then you don't. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a load of bullshit, you know? And I was sort of talking about this in therapy, this idea of wanting to do something. And I guess it's kind of embarrassing to talk about, but, you know, in a way I feel kind of, oh, I'm trying to talk around the words that I really want to say, but the truth is I feel kind of juvenile in a lot of ways because, look, I realize that you can't always do what you want in life. You know, I realize that, you know, it's called work for a reason, you know, and there's things that you have to do to survive that just aren't fun and that you don't necessarily want to do all the time. But I guess I've always imagined that, broadly speaking, that even though there are things you don't want to do in life, that if you made the right decisions, you could sort of take, not the path of least resistance, but you could sort of make the best of things. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to work, but on some level, if you know yourself, if you live well enough, if you study enough, that you'll find the thing that you are quote, supposed to be doing with your life. Do you know what I mean? Like, on some level lately, I've been thinking, oh, the reason I wasn't a successful creative person is because that's honestly not what I'm supposed to be doing. And that I don't know what to call it today, but I'm going back to school and studying psychology ostensibly. But at some point, I'll find what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'll know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because when I actually settle into that career, I will be, I will experience uh, you know, a heretofore unexperienced level of calm, you know, and I'll look back on the previous years of my life as, you know, the necessary sort of labyrinth I had to work through to find myself at a certain point. Do you know what I mean? And even though the success I'll have in whatever my future career is, it won't look like the type of success I wanted in my creative career, but I'll have that sort of, you know private, like, old person knowledge, you know, where I'll encounter another, a young me who looks at me as a failure. Like, I'll have that kind of goodwill hunting thing, you know, where, like, uh, Matt Damon's character kind of looks at Robin Williams as a loser, but Robin Williams looks at Matt Damon as a loser because he knows that Matt Damon hasn't gone through yet what Robin Williams' life has been like. You know, that Matt Damon is sort of calculating... Or, or evaluating him on a, on just like a fucking kind of juvenile level and not the fucking, doesn't have the real Jedi perspective. So like, I, I guess I always assumed I'd land in a career and sort of look back on my life with the fucking Jedi perspective, you know? And even though I may ca- encounter younger people who think I'm a failure, I'll know that I have like the fucking real treasure and prize or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But right now, I... You know, I mean, that sounds great. I wish it were true, but I, I don't know that it works. That, I don't know that life works that way. Do you know what I mean? And I think, you know, I go to this idea sometimes where I talk about like shooting at the wrong target. Where, again, this is sort of a broad st- statement too, but I feel like I've been waiting for this moment where I know what I want. Do you know? Where like, I'll just feel like I... I want something in a way that I haven't wanted something before. You know, it'll just feel like the right thing to do. 
and it, I, that that sounds great, but I don't even know that my past has demonstrated that that's ever been the case for anything I've ever done in my life that turned out to be a good thing. Do you know, I don't know that the moment I started talking to the girl who eventually became my girlfriend, that that was really any different than any other moment I sort of summoned the courage to speak to a stranger I met in public. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know that it was abundantly clear when I, you know, settled down in my relationship that that was going to be the one. Do you know what I mean? It just felt like the thing I was doing at the time and it, and it felt right. Do you know what I mean? But it was also, I think this is the point I'm really driving at. There was a, 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 a it's going to sound lame compared to what, what I was just talking about, but hear me out first, which is I sort of surrendered in a way. And I don't mean like surrendered, like, oh, I got my foot trapped in a fucking bear claw and now there's no escape. So I'll just sort of surrender. <laughs> I mean, I just sort of let go of control. You know, I let go of looking for this feeling of knowing and just sort of trusted. I was going to say the cosmos or the experience, but actually kind of trusting them. Do you know, like I've spent enough time with my girlfriend to realize, oh, she's not like my family. She's not like other crazy people that I've dated in the past. Um, my girlfriend's a great person. She's smart. She has a great heart. You know, she cares about me. Um, she has strengths that I don't have. And so there has been times where I just sort of trust her judgment about what should happen next in our relationship. Do you know what I mean? So there's a part of me that even though I don't want to move in, I don't, I don't want to move in with her in the way like, you know, I want to eat pepperoni pizza sometimes or, or uh, want to play jazz drums. Do you know what I mean? Or like, oh, hey, I, I don't want to do homework, but I want to play drums. Even though I don't want to move in with her with that kind of sort of effortless conviction, I trust her judgment. Do you know? And it, like I said, I you know, I talk about this idea of like, at what point did I decide to go back to school? I never made like a pros and cons list and decided I want to go back to school or I never felt this huge conviction. Like school is what I need. And and I want to go to school and deal with all the bullshit because ultimately I know that I want to be a psychologist or I want to be a therapist. I have none of those feelings right now. I'm just completely surrendering to the process and trusting that at the end of this I'll learn or come into contact with or experience something that will dictate the course of my life. Um, I'm starting to think, I'm only just starting to think, I don't know what to call this, but I'm just starting to think that that, I don't know, redefining this want and thinking of should, not as like an obligation. You're like, oh, you should do that. Like when you're young, you don't really know why you're going to school. Well, my parents said I should. And there are so many people who have found success in other fields. For some reason, I'm thinking like Joe Rogan and I'm thinking of other people who've had success in media in sort of alter alternative forms, you know, and they sit around and they talk about, oh, could you imagine how miserable it would be working in an office? And what if that was your life? And you have people going to school and it's a waste of time. And, you know, they work these jobs and they're, they're like they talk about people as if these they live these kind of like worker bee drone lives. And I think there are plenty of fucking people who do live that way. Don't get me wrong. I think there are so many people who look up at 35, 40 
and say, holy shit, I've been living someone else's life. I've been living for somebody else. I've been living for my parents. I've been living up to somebody else's expectations of me and not doing anything that I, quote, want being the key word. And I think that that's absolutely true. And that's not entirely what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this idea of delegating important decisions to other people in your life. Not because you just, not just because they know better, but because you, you, you literally trust their judgment. Do you know what I mean? And especially if you come from like a sort of chaotic family or household or a dysfunctional family, like, I think I've made a lot of great decisions in my life that I didn't really see the ramifications of at the time. They just seemed like I just sort of kind of on some deeper level kind of knew what I needed. Like going to therapy to me is a perfect example of that. Um, whether or not I maintain this the rest of my life, but being sober for the last few years, like I, I haven't ingested a mind altering substance in like three years, maybe even four. Um, going back to school, you know, these pivotal or, or even just volunteering, uh, you know, at the crisis lines where I now work, these were just shh, saying hello to my girlfriend at the bar when I met her. You know what I mean? Um, these were just life changing events that, you know, in one moment I just kind of made the right decision and let the process play out. You know, and anyway, I'm sort of talking myself in circles here. I'm not, I don't, I'm not really sure what I'm getting at, except I feel like moving in with my girlfriend is another one of those where, yeah, I, I don't know that I want to, but I, I, I just will because I, I love her first and first and foremost, I, I love her. Um, and just sort of trust the process. Anyway, I'm sure that doesn't sound very romantic, but I'm, I guess what I'm curious is, is if, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, I know there's, there's, there are smarter people than me who listen to this podcast who I'm sure have gone through similar situations. Something about this idea of surrendering control seems important. Trusting the people you've let stay in your life because because you know that they're well calibrated you trust their judgment about what the course of the future needs to be and maybe it's like a it's back and forth you know maybe there's things that i take the reins on when she needs me to and there's things i let her take the reins on although i'm hard pressed to think what i would trust myself to take the reins with but um but um And then also, I guess this came up in therapy too, which is, I guess in my, my worst case scenario, and I think part of this comes from being a child of divorce. And so if you're a child of divorce, maybe, especially a guy who's a child of divorce, maybe you feel the same way, but I guess, you know, and I, I feel bad throwing them under the bus, but I think on some level, I think parenthood, being a parent was a huge bummer for my parents. Do you know, I, I really think if they had their druthers, they just would not have been parents. And it's not that I think they regret having kids. It's not that I think they wish their kids would disappear. But I think just given their wiring, they could just as easily not have kids and still 
been happy with their lives. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's not even a knock against him. My dad is someone I think who is very defined by his success in work. And I think if he never had kids, I think he could have been a su- successful in work and that would have been fulfilling for him. I think he loves his kids. I think he's happy that he has kids. I think he would, you know, do what he can for his children and 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 loves them and yada 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 but but it doesn't feel like it's uh something he needed in life, do you know? Um and to some extent I feel the same way about my mom. Anyway, I don't want to I don't want to like dissect them or crucify them. The point is is that I just think at the time I think parenthood was not the best thing for them. And so I guess I just worry that like I'll have kids and I'll look up after a couple of years and think, Jesus Christ, why did I even do this? Do you know? Like I guess I just had kids to appease somebody else or I got married to appease somebody else and I guess I, I worry I'll just, or even like a career, like, oh shit, I'm in my career, I went to school, I studied this, I studied that, and I looked up and, dude, I'm not supposed to be doing any of this. I'm supposed to be a fucking juggler in the circus or some shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I wasn't supposed to be a psychologist. I was born to be an interpretive dancer, you know, but now I can't. Now I'm shackled to a wife and kids and I can't live my life, you know? So that's like the horror story that I tell myself. But what I don't consider is what what's the alternative? Do you know? If if my girlfriend says, hey, we need to move in with each other, or hey, we need to get married, or hey, we need to have kids by X amount of time. If the horror story I tell myself is I may look up and regret that, and so I say no, what about the horror story of saying no? What if the alternate horror story is I say, oh, I don't know, I can't go, I don't want to do that with the kind of want that I want to do other things like eat pepperoni pizza or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm talking about. But if I say no because I don't know, what, what if the horror story is I look up and 10 years later I think, oh my God, why did I not marry that person? You know, what if I'm just old and alone and doing the same thing? You know, why don't I tap into that horror story? Why is the only horror why is the only horror story I tell myself the one where it's like, "Oh, I regret that decision." You know, why don't I think about the horror of things never changing? What if you look up in 10, 20 years and you're the same person? Like, especially in the Bay Area, there is a, and, and I think it's everywhere, but for some reason I see it it's very acute or I see it very yeah, I see it very acutely here. There's a certain type of like old white dude who's been alone for way too long and i think it has something to do with like living in proximity of uc berkeley which is like if it's not i think it probably flips back and forth between number one and number two but it's like the number one or number two number three i don't fucking know public school in the united states it's a very good school you have to be very bright to go to cal the dudes, they usually like came here for school and it's like they never fucking left. You know, they have, they're, they're well-educated, they're smart, but they're just these kind of like dusty, old, smart white dudes who've been alone for way too long. And they're always by themselves and they kind of go to bars that they're too old to fucking be at and they just sit there and, I don't know, dude, they're just kind of creepy, you know, and they're sad and there's just... You know, I use this word very literally, and people think it's awful, but it's pathetic. But when I say it's pathetic, I don't just mean, ugh, it's, I don't mean it dismissively. I mean, it's worthy of, I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to say, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, in terms of the root word, like pathos, 
you know? It's worthy of pity. It's pathetic. You know, I pity them. It's sad. It's, it's poignant to me. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that person is probably haunted. You know, maybe they all have one person in their lives where they had an opportunity to change course and they didn't because they wanted to fucking write their magnum opus or they wanted to, you know, they wanted to write that great novel that they never finished or their, you know, their um, exhaustive study of the novels of Dostoevsky or whatever the fuck they were going to do. You know, whatever their project was that was it just was never going to make them happy. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, I think what I'm trying to tap into or at least articulate is I think like a lot of dudes, you know, when you feel the pressure or the not, quote, wanting with a capital W or whatever it is, dude, I think that's a fucking dangerous place to be. I think at that point, it's really wise to not make any quick decisions. You know, and I, I think what I'm really saying is if if what you're waiting for is the moment of wanting, well, that could never come. But it doesn't mean, but it but it might mean that you're shooting at the wrong target for how to make an educated decision. Does that make sense? If what you're waiting for is the moment to want, well, it may never arrive. But it doesn't mean that that is, the, like, what's the story about waiting for a sign from God? I'm totally going to fucking butcher it, but it was, I told it, I heard it told in a very, you, I've heard it many ways. I heard it told one very specific way in a film that I just can't remember what it was called. For some reason, I'm picturing like the valley flooding in, oh brother, where art thou? But anyway, I just remember this story where basically there's like a flood or something like that, right? And people are evacuating the town and you got one townsperson who's like, you know, a faithful believer in God or whatever. And as people are exiting, he's just like on his roof as the water levels are rising. And someone comes by, uh, you know, in a, first they come by on foot and say, Hey, come with us. We're leaving. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay here and wait for a sign from God. Then as the water levels rise, somebody comes by in a boat and says, Hey, jump on our boat and take off with us. We're getting out of here. And he says, no, I'm waiting for a sign from God. And then a helicopter comes by and says, Hey, this is the last chopper out of here. Get on board. Come with us. And he's like, Oh no, I'm waiting for a sign from God. The, water's level rise, the water levels rise and the guy drowns and he goes to the gates. He gets through past St. Peter and he speaks to God and he says, hey God, I just want to know, why didn't you send me a sign? He says, well, what did you want me to do? I sent the people on foot. I sent the people on the boat. I sent the helicopter and you never fucking, you never took it. So anyway, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be a person waiting for the sign or waiting for the wanting or waiting for the spirit to move you when that's not the sign you should be looking for at all. Anyway, man, poignant stuff. I don't know why I'm thinking of The Last Temptation of Christ all of a sudden. Have you seen that movie? I mean, I know it's based on a book, but I think most people know it from the... I guess, was that a Scorsese movie? I guess it was, huh? Willem Dafoe. Yeah, The Last Temptation of Christ was a normal life. Jesus thought he could live a normal life, and that was like his last temptation. To not be the Christ, to not be crucified, etc., etc. Anyway, I don't know what the fuck that means. That's something uh, you can unpack in your Freudian psychology or whatever the fuck. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad we got on another topic. 
I mean, I said I was only going to talk about coronavirus for like five minutes, and of course we talked about it for like maybe 30 or something like that. So I'm glad we jumped ship and uh, were able to talk about something else for the last 25, 30 minutes or whatever. So I'm not really sure how to how to uh, summarize here. But I guess I'm just trying to say... Yeah, I think I got into that whole thing because I was thinking it was a weird time for things to be happening. I just feel very afloat right now. And it, part of it goes back to the wanting. Like... I don't know what I want to do with my life. I, you know, I'm doing a school. I'm doing well. I'm using my time wisely. I'm a good student. I'm getting great grades, but I don't know what I'm working toward, you know? And even with work, it's fine for right now, but it's work. You know, I love the podcast, but musically, I I don't really know what I'm doing anymore. You know, I don't know what my creative life is. It's, it's an escape, right now which is fine but it's weird to see it you know it was my focus and now it's an escape and and also in my relationship you know i feel us moving into the next phase and it just it feels strange and i just i guess i just feel like i'm being I'm, i i feel the current of my life i feel the trajectory of my life and i just don't know where we're going but things seem to be moving forward but i don't feel I don't feel like I'm in control. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not paddling. I'm not steering the ship. I'm just sort of letting it take me forward. And for someone who's a control freak or a perfectionist or an obsessive or whatever you want to call it, that can be a scary feeling. But I'm, yeah, I'm trying to trust the process. I'm trying to trust that, you know, even if I don't know what to call it, even if, even if I don't know where I'm going, that did I reference that Sopranos quote that I fucking never looked up, but I <laughs> maybe I'll just keep referencing it, that sort of from like season five or something when Tony Soprano's in a coma, that a G-boy saying, you know, I go about my life and all the while a great wind is carrying me across the sky. That's kind of how I feel right now. And you know what, dude? You guys right now, some of you, some of you I'd probably meet and not like, but for the most part, I bet a lot of you, dude, you guys are like the wind beneath my wings. I mean it, dude. I love doing this podcast. It's so weird to me. Like, I wasn't doing this a while ago, but I was even saying in therapy, like, I look at my guitar right now, and the last thing I want to do is pick it up and write a song. But I can do jazz drumming for hours. I can fucking, I look forward to the podcast every week. It's just so weird. It's like, I don't even, I don't even know who I am anymore. It's crazy, man. But regardless, it's all good things. I love doing the podcast. We'll keep doing it. Thanks so much for listening. Again, if you know someone in your life who you think would enjoy it, share it with them. Send them your favorite episode. Send them this episode. Send them anything, goddammit. Let's fucking grow this thing, man. Let's have an audience. You know? Because like I said, I'm going to do 100 no matter what. But I'm going to have to reevaluate at that point. And, you know, I don't know. We'll just see. I I don't want to say it's got to grow or I'll stop doing it, but... Mm, I don't know. I feel like after 100, if it doesn't grow, ah, who the fuck knows? I'm not going to make any declarative statements. We'll just see. Suffice it to say that right now I'd like the audience to grow. And if you'd like to help me do that, you should, right? You like it. Let's fucking share a good thing, you know? Let's fucking get this out there. So if you know anyone who you think would like the podcast, share it with them. Uh, otherwise, if you want to connect with our socials, you can at this is M Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Find the new YouTube channel. Just look it up. Go to YouTube.com and look up This Is M Podcast. Uh, you'll find it. You should find it. 
<clears throat> Dude, perfect timing because I'm losing my voice. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, look up M, the heir apparent on Spotify. That's the letter M, the H-E-I-R apparent on Spotify and stream uh, the playlist of all my original music from 2019 that's featured on the profile called Gentleman Caller. Stream those songs, man. Uh, that helps put uh, a little money in the treasure chest. Uh, help keeps this ship afloat. So anyway, uh, anything else to be said? Probably not. I guess uh, we'll just wrap it up here and uh, come back next week. So um, thanks for listening. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Isolate, goddammit. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Watch some shit on Netflix. Dude, I watched a lot of movies that we'll talk about next time. One of them is if you want to do some homework. uh, If you have HBO, look up a movie called The Favorite. Um, it's the same guy who did The Lobster and something else, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but um, his most recent movie, The Favorite, was with uh, Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss. It's so fucking goddamn good, so check that out, and maybe we'll talk about it uh, on the next episode. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Um, I want to be just like you when I grow up. But until then, ciao for now. Ciao.